It's time. John Gruden's our guest, head coach of the Las Vegas Raiders. JT the Brick, great talking to you. Hope you're well, man. It's time. Well, you know how we want to play, JT. You know me probably better than anybody out there. It's time for the JT the Brick Show. We're going to play old school football. JT the Brick on Raider Nation Radio 920 AM. Can't wait to play in that stadium and get this party started. You got no idea. Here's your host, JT the Brick. Hour number two of the show brought to you by Remy Martin. Team up for excellence. Remy Martin, proud partner of our show with a Remy Martin sidecar. You can listen to our show, kick back, have a great time over the weekend. Ask for Remy Martin when you're out in town. Bill Williamson, longtime Raiders beat writer, covers the team now for SB Nation. Been covering football for over 25 years. And about an hour ago, Bill, you tweeted out the injury news on Trayvon Mullen, Damon Arnett not practicing how big of a concern is this for the Raiders with all the bodies that have been dropping as of late? Yeah, I mean, it, I mean, it's happening all across the league, but, I mean, they, they, there was a lot of guys injured in that game. And I think the focal point right now is on those two corners. Uh, you know, reserve tight end Derek Carrier, who has, certainly has a role in the team, and, and backup running back uh, Peyton Barber. I, I, you know, I don't have anything concrete, but... Yesterday, John Gruden said that, you know, there were some concerns about some of these injuries, and these are the four guys who are running out there today. So, you know, and he said some of those could be long-term. So you have to think, now there was a report by NFL media that Barber could be on a couple of days, mm. a couple of weeks with a toe. So you kind of focus, if, if any of these are going to be long-term, if, if you're looking at Mullen, Arnett, and, and Carrier, and, and if you lose two of your corners to to your top three corners, right? I mean, that's how it was looking, arguably, mm-hmm. um, for an extended period of time. That that's there's going to be some adjustment. So we'll just have to see how it plays out. But yeah, certainly, a, you know, a, a big, you know, aftermath factor of the loss Monday night. Yeah, uh, Bill Williamson joins us. I'm concerned about how thin the offensive line is, and now yeah. how quickly the secondary is thin. I mean, these are two. Really big and important position groups that get the Raiders going. The the running game is close to non-existent. They've had a couple of good efforts with Barber, but nothing yet big with Josh Jacobs. And the secondary is the last line of defense. I, I think, Bill, you would agree the positive is that John Abram and obviously Trayvon Merrick are good to go as the last line of defense. Yeah, you know, Merrick is, is you know, if you believe in those pro football focuses in the world, you know, he's been grading out good, and, you know, he's he, he showed up big on one play the, uh, last the other night, and, and Abrams. I, I, you know, I, I don't know if Abrams ever going to be great, but he seems to be playing within himself better this year, and I think that's a testament to the new coaching staff and him for sure. Um, so we'll just have to see. But yeah, it's you know that that was the worry with the offensive line. JT was that. You know, we can say all we want about all the changes they made and all the veterans they got rid of. That was their decision, and they felt good about it, and they publicly defended it. So, but the thing that I was, you know, most concerned about for them was that there wasn't much margin for error when it came to injuries on the offensive line, and we're seeing that particularly uh, inside of the guard positions, and it, and that and they're suffering for it. Bill Williamson's our guest. Check out his work at silverandblackpride.com, SB Nation. Uh, you were writing early today. You saw the news about Stephon Gilmore. Then he ended up being traded 
to the Carolina Panthers. The fit would be great with the Raiders. He's a brilliant player, but how tough would it have been? I know he's already a Panther, but what do you think was going on in the Raider facility in Henderson this morning when they saw this news? Just too expensive of a player, and why was the deal done before the trade deadline there? Why did Carolina pounce so quickly? Well, I think that was exactly what New England wanted to do. Um, you know, they put out that news that they're going to release them just to just to get people around the league, you know, thinking, hey, we can get this guy in a trade before we go into a sweepstakes. Because there certainly would have been a lot of interest. And, you know, and I wrote about that because I thought it made sense. And you know, we were just spent the first couple minutes here talking about the injuries at cornerback mm-hmm. the other night. And I know that John Gruden loves star players. He those guys just get him going, and, and Gilmore is certainly that. So I am 100% convinced that that was a topic of conversation this morning in Henderson. Um, but, you know, the Panthers had a lot of cap room. Um, they, they have a good relationship with the Patriots. and it's a, I mean, heck, the Gilmore is from that area, and the, the Patriots want to do right by him, so they sent him to a desirable place. So, you know, look at it. It was an exciting couple of hours. It was. But, you know, it, it, that's, it wasn't going to happen. Raiders insider and NFL insider Bill Williamson. So your podcast, 3-1, is not the end of the world. Sounds a lot like what I said on the postgame show after the game on Monday night. Every Raider fan I know. Every one would have taken three and one if we were talking in July and August. And now the team's three and one, but they cannot go backwards now. The Bears, as you do your work ahead of this game, Bill, this whole Matt Nagy story now committing to Justin Fields, is that a benefit to the Raiders that they don't see the veteran and Andy Dalton? No, I, I think it's a benefit to the Bears' offense going into this game. It's going to be comfortable. They're not going to feel like they have to prove anything. The kid's going to be comfortable. I think his play, his people, his playmakers, his offensive line are going to want to, you know, reward the kid for, for getting the job. And they want to make it work. So I think we're going to see a very confident, comfortable Bears offense. Now, will, will, they, will they execute? We'll see. But I don't think, I think this is more of a positive for Justin Fields knowing that. Because if they say, okay, Andy's not ready and Fields going to start against the Raiders. Well, still, there's more of an audition feel to it, right? Mm-hmm. More of a, you know, still up in the air. Now, hey, I know that if I make a, a stupid mistake that I throw one to, to Laird, well, I'm still going to come back next week and be the quarterback of Chicago Bears. And I think that's really soothing to a quarterback's mental state. I agree with you. I think that's a great way of looking at it. Once you have, once you know you're going to be the starter, it gives you a little bit of freedom here and fields through a couple of great balls that we're going to break down tomorrow with another guest. And he comes in with a little bit of momentum at least compared to the game he had two weeks ago, which was one of the worst games ever played by a quarterback. He's got a little bit of confidence there. Uh, Bill, what else is an issue that the Raiders can build on now? Cause I'm going to be talking to coach Gruden tomorrow and I, I see a lot of problems. All of a sudden we touched on the secondary being thin in the offensive line. They just don't seem to be able to get the running game going, even with Jacobs. Waller, it's not getting the amount of targets that he got from week one. And there's positives with Renthro and Ruggs and some good play, especially the interior of the defensive line. But what do you believe they need to get back on track to have an explosive win against the Chicago Bears Sunday? Well, it's something that maybe we're not. Phone ghost. 
It's calling back. You there, Bill? Yeah. Yeah, we lost you. Go ahead. Um, I think the stop, being unable to stop the run against the Chargers was a huge factor that maybe we're not talking about mm-hmm. enough. Um, you know, the Raiders, everybody's like, okay, at least they came back and they made it a game. And Yeah, but when Carr gets sacked and, and Carlson misses the long field goal, they still had a chance to get the ball back. And what did the Chargers do? They can run it right down their face and take off six minutes and take a, take right back a, a, a 14-point lead with five minutes to go, and that's the game. So, you know, you can't you can't get the ball run down your throat, and I think the defense is better. It, 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 you know, the pass rush is certainly better. The secondary is in better shape. But if you're not going to stop the run, that's going to hurt you. So I think that's something that they got to fix this week. Hey, Bill, I don't have it in front of me, but this was a game I'm assuming you thought the Raiders could win when the schedule comes yep. out. Uh, where do you stand on it now with the injuries both teams have? Well, you know, I, I, yeah, there's some injuries, um, but I think this is an extremely winnable game. I, I, mm-hmm. Now, the, they can pass for us, too, the Bears. They, yes. they got, you know, they lead the league in 15 sacks, and we know who's part of that, Khalil Mack, and the Raiders are coming off a poor pass uh, protection game. So, the Bears do bring some things to the party, but I look at this kind of like I did going into the Miami game. Don't be dumb. Don't screw up. Start fast in front of your your fans and take a, a double-digit win against a lesser team. Yeah, you talked about starting fast. It's easy for you and I to say this, and you know you think they're scripting plays like Bill Walsh. I asked that about the Coach Flores, but you know you, if you go three and out, if you don't convert on a third down, a third and five early, it's a tip ball. Then the next thing you know, you're off the field and everybody's second-guessing you. I think the Raiders have to have a long, sustained drive. they got to be on the field and score on that first drive because that's what Gruden built this offense around with Carr, to be in complete command and come out and score early. Yeah, I mean, you don't want in your third game in Allegiant with fans, you don't want to go down 14-0 in your third straight time. I think if they can do that and score on that first possession, which would be the first time in 11 games, dating back to last year, that really soothes the offense. That soothes the offensive line. It makes Carr's job easier. It, it takes pressure off uh, Bruton play calling for the rest of the game, and it and it fires up the crowd. So scoring fast is always, you know, should be on the menu. But this week going to the Raider game, it's really kind of a must. Thank you, Bill. See you out there soon. Talk to you in two weeks. Always appreciate you. All right. Thank you, Jakey. You got it. Bill Williamson. Check out all his work at SB Nation. So Bill just was kind enough to tell me, which I should be aware of, that the Bears lead the NFL in sacks. As I look on the list, Robert Quinn has four and a half. Khalil Mack has four. Okay? That's a pretty significant number. Miles Garrett leads the NFL with six sacks. Chandler Jones had five, I believe. All of them were in one game, if I remember correctly. Von Miller has four and a half. So for the Raiders, let's get Yannick Ngakwe going. Let's get some Raiders going on the sack list as I scroll down and continue to go. Solomon Thomas with two and a half is tied for 25th along with Joey Bosa. So Mack and Quinn are coming to town, and they want to eat. They want to hunt. 702-365-9200. 702-365-9200. Jay in Vegas. How are you, Jay? What's happening? Uh, doing pretty good, JT. I appreciate you taking my call. And uh, I take it that uh, 
uh, calls from uh, the players don't count as Vegas calls. Yeah, so. good to hear from you, though. Thank you. Yeah, Vegas needs to wake up. Um, so, JT, uh, I'll take a word that A.J. Cole uh, used early in the interview, and that's opportunity. And um, uh, there's opportunity written all over this game. And, you know, you look at, uh, obviously, Khalil Mack is the, the main factor in this game, and, and rightfully so. Um, but it, it's, it's, it's an opportunity for, for uh, Leatherwood, you know, to get action against another premier pass rusher. Um, it's an opportunity to, to help out also uh, uh, Leatherwood and, and, and send a tight end, line, line him up, you know, right next to Leatherwood and, and help him out, you know. Uh, uh, there's an opportunity for the defense uh, mm-hmm. to, uh, you know, get, get, uh, get a good pass rush going. I expect three, maybe even four sacks. Uh, coming up in this game, yeah. uh, big opportunity for the defense. Um, this, there's, you know, there's also an opportunity for John Gruden in this game. Uh, John Gruden, I swear, JT, if in the first opening series, I see run, run, and then we're in third and long. I don't know what I'm going to do. This is an opportunity for John Gruden to mix up that playbook, to get aggressive, to take a deep shot uh, uh, early in the game and put that uh, Bears defense on its heels. And that Bears defense is is uh, formidable, like you, you know, obviously mm-hmm. Khalil Mack and, and Robert Quinn and, and uh, Roquan Smith, but they have serious depth issues. And I think if we can just, you know, get, get some, uh, uh, some mix inside the offense and, and keep them on their heels, I think uh, we have an opportunity to really uh, do a, a, good, a good amount of damage in this game. And I'm personally, I'm expecting a, a 27 to 10 win. Um, I, I, there's nothing about that Bears offense that concerns me at all. And like I said, with the opportunity, it's opportunities for uh, Crosby to get get back on that sack uh, number. Uh, obviously, Solomon Thomas. This is opportunity written all over this game, JT, and I appreciate you taking my call. Well, stay on hold. We're going to give you a $50 Grimaldi's Pizzeria gift card. October is National Pizza Month. What better way to celebrate than with the famous New York-style co-fired brick oven pizza from Grimaldi's Pizzeria. Grimaldi's is hands down my favorite pizza here in Vegas. Grimaldi's has five locations in the Vegas Valley. To find one near you, check out GrimaldisPizzeria.com. I want to thank Grimaldi's for being a tremendous partner and generously providing us with $50 gift cards to give away to our loyal listeners right here on Raider Nation Radio. All right, so when we come back, we're going to have a, a, a bit of the Derek Carr uh, interview, Derek Carr press conference, excuse me, and then we're going to have Mike North, who's scheduled to join us, the Bears insider, as we get rolling here. i got time for one more. Sanger Raider, who came to our post-game show on Monday night. What's happening, my friend? Sanger Raider, go ahead. Hey, JT, thank you uh, for giving me this time. Uh, you know, maybe what we should do, what Coach should do, is flip-flop that game plan that he had with the Chargers. And let's start the first court, the first half off like we did the second half. Stretch the ball, stretch the ball, stretch the field. You know, get those guys. Uh, you know, put the fear of God into them with Waller. Um, mm-hmm. You know, with with um, uh, rugs, rugs, and 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 all these guys that, that can catch the ball and and, and run routes. I mean, that's what I would do because clearly, the run does not work. Well, the, the, what's, what's tough in this game, Sanger Raider, is you gotta you got to have time for Carr to throw the deep ball with Mack and Quinn coming again exactly. after him. They lead the NFL in sacks with 15, as we said. So 
I mean, it's easy to say, hey, come out and throw the deep ball, but you got to pass protect, and you got to pass protect. And if you leave a fullback in or a tight end, those are two less players running routes, and it gives the safeties the ability to shade that side of the field. It is very complex, but I would agree with you. They got to do something. They got to do something to switch up this offense and get it to wake up in the first quarter because this is unacceptable. Yeah, let's do some draw plays. I mean, let's set them up with the with the long passes and then drop back and do a draw. You know, maybe that'll set up the run. Keep them guessing. You know, mm-hmm. but uh, yeah, I, that last game was sickening to me. Uh, everybody that I was sitting with at the tavern was groaning every time we'd run the ball up the middle. They're, they're getting too predictable in their game plan. They need to be unpredictable. So uh-huh. they need to think out the box. Yep, I appreciate the call. You know, a run is predictable when you're expecting a run. You know, every team's running the football. Every time the Dallas Cowboys run the ball with Zeke Elliott and Pollard, no Cowboys fans are saying, man, this is predictable. Look at Mike McCarthy, he's so predictable. Because they're running the ball and they're picking up first downs. The reason why everybody's freaking out with the Raiders running the ball when Gruden wants to run it is they're not picking up yardage. And you can't abandon the run. You can't abandon the run. They have to run it. I think what we should be talking more about is how do you run the football? Pick pick an edge blocker that you want to run behind. If you want to run behind Colt Miller, call me. Where's Colt Miller? Why isn't Colt Miller blowing up that side, run right behind him? And, and maybe, you know, someone coming across a tight end, sealing that side. Or do you want to run it behind Leatherwood? Let me tell you about Leatherwood. I'm good with Leatherwood. He's a brand new player in this league, Outland Trophy winner from Alabama. He's caught a lot of crap since he's come here, and he's getting it from Raider fans, which is exactly what shouldn't be happening from Raider fans. Raider fans should be building this guy up. We know the problem with him. We know it's going to be tough for him. He's a new player in the league. Let Tom Cable and Gruden figure that out. But Raider Nation shouldn't be ripping on this guy on social media. These guys all have social media. If you're a Raider fan and you're on social media, get the hell off these guys on social media. How dare you go after Alex Leatherwood or, you know, Littleton on social media? They all look at it. They're young. They're all in their 20s. They're all looking at social media. It's incredible to me. The Raider on Raider crime. Raider fans going after Raider players. It's incredible. Like, do something else with your social media. Go after the Chiefs. Go after the Chargers. Pick your players up. There's only one nation, the Raider Nation. You need to be aligned. You need to be together. You're three and one. Act like it. Right? I mean, everybody has the opportunity to be upset on a play or this or that, but don't use your social media. I mean, every time they put up an interview on Facebook with a player, you got to go down three stories later and go, hey, man, this guy sucks. This guy sucks. Are, are you that guy? The whole world sees what you're doing. Do it to their face. You do it on Facebook and you do it on Twitter and Instagram. These are your guys. Back them up because the rest of the league and the national media don't like them. They're getting heat from all that. Get behind your team. Let's go. Modelo, proud sponsor of the Raiders. You know I love my bucket of Modellos. On Friday, ooh, Bobby, we got to get the Friday bucket of Modellos delivered to the Simon Keith Foundation golf event. I'm off on Friday. I'll be at Revere Golf Club. Beautiful golf course out there in Henderson. Excited about that with Simon Keith. Go to simonkeith.com and see what he's doing. What a legend he is.
Okay, Bears running back David Montgomery is still gathering information on his knee injury. What I can tell you as of now is it is not season-ending, but it is very likely Montgomery is going to miss some time starting on Sunday against the Raiders. Terrible timing for Montgomery, who the Bears turned loose in that game against the Lions. He went off for 106-yard rushing and a couple of touchdowns. His backup, Damian Williams, also got banged up in that game, although as Ian Rappaport has reported, it is just a thigh bruise for Williams, he should be good to go moving forward and likely start in Montgomery's spot. Tom Pellicero of NFL Network. JT, back with you. Brought to you by Woodson Bourbon Whiskey. Not your average bourbon. It's unique. It's finished with the same wine barrels Charles Woodson makes his wine, which gives it a spicy caramel finish. Available now at over 70 Las Vegas grocery and fine liquor stores. How about that for Charles? Isn't that great with his wine and now Woodson Bourbon Whiskey? They are a proud partner of our show by Woodson Whiskey. We appreciate that. Uh, Mike North, kind enough to join me. My good friend, my longtime friend from Chicago, one of the greatest sports talk hosts of all time. Hey, Mike, how about we begin with this? Did you ever think growing up as a young boy covering the Bears, you'd see the Bears playing in Las Vegas against the Raiders? I never thought I'd ever (laughs) see that. I mean, Las Vegas was taboo. You know that. I had a handicapping show in 1989. I had it listed in the paper. You know, you might as well, I might as well had had done it in a phone booth. Gambling was delayed. Lasting on anybody's mind back then. It was supposed to be bad. It's turned out to be very, very good. So, hey, and I'm excited about it because what people don't know, JT, my good friend, is that a lot of Bear fans choose the Raiders when it comes to the AFC uh, from years ago because of the same type of play, the same type of dynamic personalities that both teams had. No doubt about it. Some of the greatest players to ever play. In this rivalry, and there is a bit to this rivalry, there's a lot to this rivalry, including the legendary game in Chicago where all the Raider quarterbacks got knocked out. Ray Guy was going to play quarterback. It was one of the bloodiest and most physical games in Raider history, and the mm-hmm. assault and, right. and, the, and the hits came from the Chicago Bears. That's a game of lore. People still talk about that. I'll tell you what, that was one of the weirdest games I've ever been to. Uh, I, I've seen Sean Ledetta whiff on punts. I saw Joe Theismann whiff on punts, punt a ball seven yards. Absolutely. The, look, the Raiders to me, and by the way, folks, I don't know if anybody knows this, Justin Fields is starting this coming week against the Raiders. It was just announced, okay? The Raiders to me just lucked out, JT. I think that Matt Nagy buckled under the pressure. Uh, I think that uh, the media has been on him. Most of the fan base has been on him. And you know what? I think if you ask John Gruden, who would you rather face? Andy Dalton or a rookie uh, with no offensive line with their running back Montgomery out uh, for five weeks. I mean, this is the perfect recipe for you guys uh, to probably win this football well, game. Well, what's interesting, Mike North joins us, is Mike, th- what's interesting about this particular matchup is the fact that, you know, Justin Fields, there isn't a lot of tape on him in the NFL, and there were three balls that were thrown in that last game by Fields that was good as any ball that I've seen thrown 
this year. I mean, he threw a couple of dimes in that game, and he can tuck and run. And the Raiders are getting better, at least with Gus Bradley as the defensive coordinator, at attacking the football on defense and getting everybody to the ball. But he's an X-factor with an injured and coming off an injured Andy Dalton. I think the Raiders would have probably loved to have seen Andy Dalton, even though he's won more games, than Justin Fields because we don't know what we're going to get with him out here. Well, you make up a good point because, uh, you know, Dalton, you know where to find him. I mean, he could still scramble a little bit. Uh, Justin Fields will extend plays. But let me caution everybody. The Bears should have lost last week if they play a real football team. The Detroit Lions are an absolute mess. Uh, I thought Justin Fields did well. It's on. I believe it's going to be between the Bear defense and, of course, uh, Carr and uh, the Las Vegas offense. That's where I think this thing's going to last because I think the Raiders' defense – even though you're right, I think they don't know what they're going to get. But he's still in his third, going into his third game with no offensive line. I know that the Raiders shot themselves in the foot last week. Uh, but, you know, Gruden just knows how to dissect things. I, I just think that the Bears and Nagy was told this is Nagy's decision. Nagy said a week ago, as long as Dalton's healthy. As long as he's healthy, he's our starter because Nagy's job depends on it. Somebody got to him because they said to him, look, this is our new guy. Whether he's going to make it or not, we got to find out. But, geez, do you know who the Bears have the next three games, JT? They have the Raiders. They have the Packers. Mm -hmm. They have Tampa Bay and then the 49ers. That's who they're going to put Justin Fields against. So to me, I believe experience early, especially when you're two and two in in, in the NFC, only a game back from Green Bay. To me, I think is a as good a chance of Fields being hurt after the four games are over than him being successful because they just don't have the playmakers around yeah. him. He played on a better team at Ohio State uh, if you're going to go, uh, you yeah. know, for the common type of situation. Yeah, they, at a college level, he had better protection, oh. better scheme than he's having here in the pros. And, and Mike, one of the many things we have in common is we like to see media reaction to coaches. And mm-hmm. last night I lost my mind with Aaron Boone. I mean, he's got to oh. go. He's got to go. He's done an awful job with the Yankees, but – I don't know how long we're going to have to wait for his firing. And the same thing with you in Chicago with Matt Nagy. Everybody mm-hmm. in Chicago, let alone nationally, is sitting around going, will the McCaskies fire him in season or not? You've been there for a long time. They traditionally, like the Steelers, and the Steelers make less moves, they don't make moves in season. If Nagy gets beat and the Bears don't show up in Vegas, does he get fired? I think he's been fired basically already. He wow. didn't make this decision. He went off from, I got, we have the best chance of Dalton to, we're going to win or lose or go down with the ship with Justin Fields in the span of a week. Now, don't forget, he promised Dalton he'd be a starter. Dalton replaced in the third game, just like last year when Trubisky was replaced in the third game. And it all blew up on Nagy. And Trubisky came back after Bill Lazor started calling the plays. Then they make the playoffs, and Nagy takes back the play calling. And they lose. This whole thing is a fiasco. It's nothing new to National Football League franchises, but the Bears have a market on it to being indecisive, having a bungling front office, and basically now throwing a rookie in with no offensive line, one major receiver in Allen Robinson, their main back out. So it's going to be interesting to see. I would say this. 
if the Raiders lose this game, you're not going anywhere if you lose to this team. I, now, maybe Khalil Mack got, has the guys mm-hmm. charged up. Uh, we haven't talked about him. He's, he's doing well this year. He yep. disappeared last year for the most part. So maybe the Bear defense gets turnovers. If Carr throws the ball into their hands, well, of course we can win. And Justin Fields, if he plays on the short field, is capable of doing that. Mike North, the legend, joins us there. Very interesting point on Khalil Mack. And I tell this story, Mm -hmm. and I'll tell it to you. I don't think I shared it to you. The Raiders played in London two Mm -hmm. years ago. It just showed up on my Facebook. And before the game, we're in this gorgeous new stadium, Tottenham. They're playing the Bears, and I'm down there and doing the sidelines that game with Brent Musburger, Lincoln Mm -hmm. Kennedy. I'm on the field, and I'm there, and Mack comes all the way across the end zone. And he says, JT, he came all the way to say hi to me. Because when he came, the first day ever came to the Raiders at camp, we talked and we got a chance to meet. And then over the years, I brought my sons to the sidelines in Oakland. And he was always gracious with his time. I said originally, he's the greatest player I've seen on defense since Ray Lewis and before that, Lawrence Taylor. Now, he hasn't lived up to that hype recently, but his talent level is still there. What does the media and especially the fans in Chicago think of Khalil Mack after that blockbuster contract? Probably a drop from 2018, but 2018, I mean, his best game might have been his first game. He just took it over. Mm -hmm. Uh, He's still very effective. But you got to remember, we come from Wilbur Marshall land, from Otis Wilson land, from Dick Butkus land, Doug Buffon land. I mean, solid. Mike Singletary. So Khalil Mack to us, he's very good, but he doesn't make us forget about the other guys. Now, that doesn't mean he's not a good ball player. And I was all for the trade. We got him, and I was stunned, as probably you were too. I think things have worked out uh, for the Raiders, regardless of it. Uh, He seems like he's committed this year a little bit more than last year when he disappeared. Robert Quinn uh, has awakened. Uh, He's been listless uh, since he signed the big deal. He's back. So the defense does look improved. Uh, from uh, when you know when we had Fazio calling the plays, he was great too. They seem to be more aggressive, JT. So I think it's just like the Lions game: shorten the field. If we don't get any turnovers, we're going to lose. That's how the Bears operate. They're a bend don't break. If Carr turns the ball ball over, we have a shot. Uh, but then again, it's hard for me to believe that Justin Fields is going to go a whole game because he does has become somewhat of a fumbler, fumbling twice already, but he's recovered both fumbles. So we're going to have to wait and see as time comes on because, like you said, there is no no film on him. Mike North. Mike, finally, tell us about the White Sox and expectations in Chicago. There are no Cubbies. White Sox in the postseason here on Thursday. Astros, I mean, the whole country's rooting against the Astros from the sign-stealing scandal. Give Dusty credit, getting them back there again. Very good team, but the White Sox have some power in that lineup, some good pitching, a middle relief in the back end of that bullpen. Do they have a shot to beat the Astros? Well, first of all, you know, I understand what you're saying. I'm not an A.J. Hinch fan, but you know what? I can't get too much on Alex Cork because I did bet Boston last night. So, you know, all is forgiven as far as that goes. They're back in the game. Mm -hmm. I think that there should have been some sort of punishment more dealt out, uh, but there was deals made. Uh, They could have exposed a lot of baseball in my opinion, that being said, I was disgusted by the ageism, the bigotry by younger uh, hosts, uh, writers uh, who basically think 
that people that are older can't get it done. He's embarrassed all of them. None of them are accountable. Mm-hmm. Uh, to be a great talk show host, you got to be accountable and admit when you're wrong. They won't do it. They'll wait till he uh, maybe has a bad call in the playoffs and then get on him again. They can never admit when they're wrong. What Tony LaRusso did was embarrass them all. Say, I'm one of the best managers of all time. How dare you? Because, okay, I had a DUI. And maybe I make a mistake or two early when I'm learning my team. But you told me that I was going to lose the clubhouse. You told me I wouldn't last the season, which just is cold for bigotry and ageism, especially in the business that I love, period. And that's the media business. And here I think they have a shot, but they're a tough, tough road to haul. I mean, Houston's good, and I hear a lot of experts picking the White Sox. Yeah, Mike, last one, you covered Jordan's championships, all of them. When you see Kyrie Irving now maybe putting his team at risk because he won't get vaccinated, and now he's the biggest story in sports today, and we got baseball playoffs in the NFL, I mean, he's got a ring. Got to give him credit for that one LeBron ring, but this is no Jordan or Pippen. This isn't a leader. How big of a story is this? And I don't think he's going to get vaccinated because he's so aloof, he's so out there, and I think he likes this negative media attention. It kind of fuels him. Well, let me ask you something. They can miss all last year and show up in the playoffs and nobody says anything. Right. Now, now because he's not vaccinated, that's a story. Now, I believe I got jabbed, okay? Mm-hmm. I had no problem with it, okay? I was sort of against it, but you know okay. what? I'm not putting my wife at risk or anybody else. If somebody gets COVID and I carried it and gave it to them and I love them or something like that, that's on me. So I took the shot. But bottom line is I don't know what they're going to do. I think this is like a flu thing. We're never going to lose it. And Mm -hmm. I really wish that people would stop being sick from the vaccination or there would be a clearer message because it does give. And how about this? He can't play in New Jersey, New York. Right. That's the point. He can't even practice in New York. So I think it's going to be a lot like last year. And uh, you know what? Sooner or later, he's going to miss the pay, the payment the paycheck they all do eventually and he's gonna have to do it jt otherwise he doesn't play and that's that that in the regular season sadly isn't a big deal no it's not uh but it's a big deal for us and i love what you said about you getting jabbed in the Mm -hmm. chicago voice of yours accent because you nailed it you could add different opinions on this but you didn't want to put others at risk you have a big life big jobs you're out in the public and You'll deal with it, and you'll move well, on. You don't have to be appearance. 100% in. I, I made my first appearance for ESPN about a month ago at a place down uh, you mm-hmm. know, on the southwest side of, uh, of Chicago with uh, all the ESPN people. And I'll be honest with you. I had the hand sanitizer in my, my, my jacket pocket. Yeah. I mean, that's just the way it is now. And I love people. I love to give a hug, this and that. But this was a, was a lot of, like, I'd shake hands. And you couldn't see it. I had the big, you know, my suit coat, and I'd, I'd hit the sanitizer. I mean, I, I, you know, but it's crazy. People weren't wearing masks, and they were wearing masks. I, the whole thing's been a, a crazy thing. I can't believe I give, you know, I give the heat to a lot of commissioners, mm-hmm. including the one. Oh, by the way, the the the, the best one, J team. Someday when I get to Vegas, when they stop wearing masks there, I'm going to come over and I'm going to talk to you about the rain out in the dome or the lightning thing. Oh, the lightning in L.A.? Oh, Gruden. You saw, you saw Gruden. He was about to run through the TV. He was, I thought he was going to run through the TV. And then Susie Colbert goes, we got to fill five minutes? Are you kidding me? For what? You got us on the field. So, in other words, it's dangerous for the players, but it isn't dangerous for us. 
but uh, yeah, it, 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 it's it's a whole new world now. Thanks, Mike. Good to talk to you. Talk to you in a couple of weeks. Love you, brother. Love Thanks. you too. Thank you, Mike North, the legend. Again, every time I interview him, I tell you, first radio host ever to make a million dollars in sports, one of the most generous guys, one of the first guys I've met in the business. He said, if you need anything, call me. So when I, hopefully I mentor young people in the business, I say the same thing. If you need anything, call me. And he did that for me, and I like to pay it forward that way. He's fantastic. You know, that game we were talking about, I Googled it afterwards because it's a game of lore. Uh, November 1984, the Raiders... The Raiders lost to the Bears 17-6. to It's the most violent NFL game ever played. Raiders went through all their quarterbacks. By day's end, the Bears had nine sacks, three interceptions, and two fumble recoveries. Think of that again. Let me repeat that. They knocked all the Raider quarterbacks out of the game. Seriously injured them. And in that game, by day's end, nine sacks, three interceptions, and two lost fumbles. That is the most violent NFL game to this day ever played. Raiders and Bears. I just found it again a dead spin. Uh, This is posted in December of 2013. What was it like to play in the most violent NFL game ever? Marcus Allen was in that game. Todd Christensen. I remember the David Hum story, my dear friend David Hum, who passed away. How ugly was it? Mike Ditka called it the most brutal football game I ever watched. Merlin Olsen, calling the game on NBC, said at one point, I'm sure Al Davis is wondering if maybe he better recruit some extra trainers. And the great uh, columnist from Sports Illustrated, Curry Kirkpatrick, said, so brutal was the bear onslaught that Al Davis was covering his face. With his hands. Google that game. It was ugly enough that the Raiders considered playing their punter at quarterback. So, wow. Mike North jogged my memory with that. But uh, very interesting to see that game and to go back to that game. And that was Bears-Raiders. And Bears-Raiders is Sunday. And I'll be there for that. The return of Khalil. Not the return of Khalil Mack. Khalil Mack's first ever game that he'll play in Las Vegas. That's what's cool about Tom Brady played here last year, Josh Allen, but Josh Allen will play here again, you would think. Mahomes is going to play here every year, but there are players. I saw Drew Brees play last year. Drew Brees played in Vegas. Raiders beat him. On Monday night, there wasn't a fan in the building. Wasn't cleaning crew concessions. They had they had the cash registers covered up. It was like a zombie movie. And then I saw... You know, Tom Brady was the big one, but I saw Phillip Rivers. He retired, too. So nobody in the history of NFL media will ever say that they saw what I saw. I saw Brady, Rivers, and Breeze play their only game ever in Las Vegas. And I was there for all of them. And I got the, I got the punctuation point at the end. Those are great players, right? We all agree. Hall of Famers. The best player I saw, Justin Herbert. I know it rubbed some Raider fans the wrong way, but too bad. It's my opinion. I was there for it. Herbert was maybe the best I saw of all those players, including Mahomes. And Mahomes was good because he came from back from the dead. With, after Witten scored the touchdown, Mahomes went the length of the field. Mahomes and Herbert went the length of the field last year. Herbert did it in overtime, and Mahomes did it with under two minutes to go. And then there was Ryan Fitzpatrick who threw the Hail Mary, get your face mask ripped off, Hail Mary sideline bomb, and the Raiders had to deal with that. Fortunately, we're not seeing any of that this year. 
We're not catching that at home. We're seeing the Raiders undefeated at home. But they got to beat the Bears. Bears is a huge game, and we all know that. This is a game they got to win. Four and one would be fabulous going into Denver and then Philly. I mean, look, these are not great quarterbacks. These aren't Hall of Famers coming up here. I'm hoping Gus Bradley's defense is really dialed in in these next couple of games. You know, Golden Entertainment owns the Laughlin Entertainment venue where Kid Rock is playing October 16th, Toby Keith October 23rd, Dwight Yoakam November 6th, and Darius Rucker November 13th. And then head on out to Arizona Charlie's. They have Yacht and Roll, Yacht Rock. At the Decatur location, every Saturday in October, 8 to midnight. Carr will go back into the gun on this third down. Takes it back, looks in the end zone, looks for a crosser, throws deep corner, jump ball, touchdown! Jackpot, baby! Raider touchdown! Darren Waller! Yeah, baby! Cut it to 21-14. Brent Musburger on the call. The Raiders had a chance. They got the ball back with an opportunity to tie, but the sack that Card took and the missed field goal buried the Raiders in L.A., and that was unfortunate. Uh, Derek Carr just met with the media a little while ago. Just a few moments of what he had to say. To you that I just thought it was unfortunate that he'd even think to say it. Maybe he's just trying to get under my skin, which he did piss me off. So good job for that. Um, but that's not a bad thing either. The Bears have a familiar face that you know about up front, but what collectively the defensive front what makes them challenging? Oh yeah, yeah, they got they got a. Certain edge rusher, he's pretty good. Um, but uh, they also have one on the other side, and Robert Quinn is a heck of a player. Um, he's been a big sack guy in the NFL. Um, outstanding speed and get off. Uh, Keem in the middle, not only Akeem, but I mean, they've got some great players in the middle. Um, you know, big, strong, physical players. The linebackers, uh, both veterans, can run, hit, uh, you know, can cover, have made big plays in the passing game. Um, secondary wise, they got new corners, um, you know, new starters, you know, I should say. Um, you know, whenever we played them last year, it was Fuller and Mukamara, you know, or not last year, but in London. Um, since then, they got new corners and uh, good players, um, super competitive. Uh, you know, the safeties, um, you know, if, if 38 plays or not, but, you know, they're, they're good on the back end. So it's one of the more challenging defenses we'll face, um, you know, all season. And uh, you love that. You know, you love, you know, especially coming off a loss. Um, you know, your eyes get opened a little bit to some things that maybe we could have done better. And, you get excited for the challenge that you know is out in front of you the next time, and uh, we get to do it at home, so that's good too. Um, obviously, you're very close with Lil. Uh, you played in London. This is the first time they'll be, you know, against a Raider crowd. Can you go back to the trade and your thoughts then? Have they changed over the years? I'm mm-hmm. sure you've kept in touch with him. He's still a good friend of yours. Oh yeah. What went down then. I know some things about that guy nobody else knows. You know, like we're he's one of my best friends in the whole world. I love him uh, to death. I, I, he knows that. It's no secret. Everyone knows how. How close we are. Um, that, you know, that's that's not hidden in any way. Um, uh, not only is he one of the best players, you know, living in the world today. You know, he's one of the best people. And um, you know. All right. So that was a little bit of that. Uh, Khalil Mack and Carr are very tight, very tight, and they're going to have a moment before and after the game, and hopefully during the game. Derek has a big day. I want to congratulate Bobby. He's wearing his Red Sox hat. I'm a Yankee fan. We went toe to toe, and the Red Sox won. 
I didn't sleep well last night. I did what my dad taught me. I walked around my neighborhood after the loss, after my show. I didn't sleep well. Did not sleep. I don't think I slept at all. I slept a little bit. I don't remember sleeping last night. I get really upset when the Yankees lose, but we had a fun show today. Tomorrow, I'm at the Shriners Golf Open. I'll be there. Find me, please, if you're coming out there. It's a great event here in town for the Shriners Hospital, which is fabulous. A great charity. And then Friday, I'm off to be with Simon Keith. He's the first professional athlete to play professional sports after a heart transplant. And he had a second heart transplant. And we're dedicating the proceeds to a young little eight-year-old girl who is went through the process of a transplant. Very proud to be a part of that. So we'll have a, an interesting show on Friday because it's the 10-year anniversary to the day of Mr. Davis passing. Al Davis died 10 years ago on Friday. And we'll have some special coverage here on the flagship station. Dodgers-Cardinals in L.A. How big is that? One game, Dodgers with a couple injuries down the stretch. Wainwright-Scherzer. I'm sure we're covering it here on our sister station, I would assume. I'll see you tomorrow out at the Shriners. My John Gruden interview in the morning for TV. We'll play it on Friday on the radio. Have a great day, everybody. Q coming up next. Thanks, guys. Have a great day.